to put away your toys. That's a series that we started a few weeks ago. We had the tweets with us last week, missionaries to uh, the Dominican Republic, uh, fantastic family. Um, I've, we've been friends of them for a long time, but it's been a lot of years since we've been together. And uh, man, they, they are just the real deal. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to, uh, I have something in my heart to put, uh, to, to give towards them and partner with them. And so I'd encourage you, if you feel that same thing, to go ahead and do that as well. But our missions committee will look at that. And can I just tell you, um, raise your missions pledge. Um, our missions account generally doesn't have extra money in it. There's always more need than there is um, money to go around. And so if God has been faithful to you and helped you give this much, uh, just raise that. And uh, none of that comes to us, so I don't get anything from it. So it all goes to missions and missionaries and people like the tweets. And so uh, we could say yes to a whole lot more people if uh, you could help us out with that. And we love to say yes. Don't we, missions committee? We love to say yes. It's, it's heartbreaking when we have to keep saying no. Um, this series, Putting Away the Toys, is about putting away childish things, like Paul says in Corinthians, and becoming a man. I became a man when I put away childish things. I didn't become a man and then decide to put away childish things. The how I became a man was I stopped acting like a child. Okay, you're not a man because you're a certain age. You're not a man because you have a child. You're not a man because you're married. You're a man because you act like a man. You take on responsibility. And so this is what Paul is challenging us on. And I mentioned to this last week, but this series is coming out of a book by Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson is the, the author of the message version of the Bible, the paraphrase version. And he wrote a book called Perseverance. Perseverance is what it's titled. The subtitle is Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And out of that book, out of excuse me, his study uh, of the Psalms of Ascent, that has become uh, this, this series. And uh, the Lord laid this on my heart a few months ago, and uh, I knew as we were going into summer that this is where we would be headed. Adam, when he was here last week, mentioned the quote, and I've said it before, and other people from this pulpit have said it. It's a form of insanity to continue to do what you've always done and expect a different result. You've ever heard that? It's a form of insanity to do what you've always done and expect a different result. That is so true unless what you're doing is the right thing. The scripture talks about perseverance. The scripture talks about developing a persistence, especially in James chapter one, that this perseverance, this persistence has to be developed in our lives. And so sometimes you have to keep doing the right thing over and 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 over until you see any result. And if you give up somewhere along the way and say, well, maybe this isn't the right way, let me try a new way. If your new way doesn't come from the scripture, don't take the new way. God will lead us by his word and his spirit. And sometimes it just takes that grit, that determination, that persistence. Jesus taught his disciples to pray and not give up. Prayer matters. I'd encourage you to see the movie, The War Room, that's coming out. It's not in our city yet. It's in the area. But uh, the challenge from that movie is to pray, to pray. And so today as we start this 
putting away the toy series, the Psalms of Ascent, Psalm 120 through 134, these are the Psalms. I told you last week these are 15 Psalms that the, uh, or two weeks ago, that the Jews would sing as they made their pilgrimages to Jerusalem. In Exodus 23, there are three times that are marked out in the Old Testament that all Jews were supposed to travel to Jerusalem to celebrate. The first was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That was started with the Passover and then it went a week long. The second was the Feast of Harvest, otherwise known as the Feast of Weeks, or also known as the Feast of Pentecost. Okay, that was the second time. The third time was the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of the Ingathering, it's called, or it's also called the Feast of the Final Harvest. Now, Exodus 23 says these are the three times that you as Jews are to travel to Jerusalem and worship the Lord. Okay, you're to make this journey, this ascent. If we can see in the New Testament that the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, the Passover, was when Jesus Christ was crucified. That's our salvation. Then we see Pentecost, the Feast of Harvest. After we receive Christ, the baptism in the Holy Spirit that was given on the day of Pentecost was given for harvest. And so I know that in Pentecostal circles that at times we treat the baptism in the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit as if there's something that are supposed to be to make us feel good or to encourage us or to strengthen us. The main reason that the baptism in the Holy Spirit comes to us as believers and fills us is for harvest. So the initial evidence, maybe I can speak in other tongues, but if the evidence isn't me telling other people about Christ on a regular basis, I wonder if we fully understood what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is all about. Sure is quiet today. I thought we were having a party today. Come on, let's. The third one is the feast of the ingathering or the feast of the final harvest. And so you can see throughout the Old Testament that the New Testament is very symbolic of our journey, talking about the return of Christ. Those three main events in our lives, the salvation, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and the harvest that we're to be a part of, and then the end times gathering of all people are those three feasts. And so these Psalms of Ascent are not just for them, it's also for us. And the Jews would sing these psalms as they ascended to Jerusalem. They had to ascend to Jerusalem because Jerusalem was the highest point in the area of Palestine. And so they ascended to the hill of the Lord or to the place where God's presence was. You and I do not have to ascend to a physical location to be where God's presence is, but we still need to journey to him. We have to take steps towards him. He has already taken every step he needs to take by sending his son and making salvation available to all of us. If we refuse to take the step toward him of salvation, you will not experience salvation. If you refuse to take a step toward him for healing or deliverance or growth, you will not experience those things. If you do not choose to pick up your word daily and begin to read it and study it, growth will not happen in your life. You will not just ascend to the hill of the Lord because you said a prayer and invited Jesus to come live in your heart. That's not the biblical pattern. We ascend to the Lord and he's always drawing us and showing us and helping us and empowering us. He's doing everything possible other than making the choice for us. He can't do that. He won't do that. He will allow us to choose to spin our wheels and go in circles or to take his steps 
and follow after him. And so the Psalms of Ascent may have been physical Psalms for the Jews, but for us, they're kind of metaphoric. As we journey closer to the Lord, as we journey in this maturity, these Psalms will help us. And the first one we're gonna look at is Psalm 120. This is what it says, and I'm gonna read these from the message version, um, because Eugene Peterson wrote the book, and so he chose the message. I'm in trouble. I cry to God, desperate for an answer. Deliver me from the liars, God. They smile so sweetly, but lie through their teeth. Do you know what's next? Can you see what's coming? All you barefaced liars, pointed arrows and burning coals will be your reward. I'm doomed to live in Meshesh, cursed with a home in Cater. My whole life lived camping, oh, Lord help us. My whole life lived camping among quarreling neighbors. I'm all for peace, but the minute I tell them so, they go to war. Sounds like a great song to sing together on our way to, to, to the temple, doesn't it? But the reality is we are a people that is submerged in a culture just like this. It's full of lies and it's full of evil. And so as a result, we become cynical. We don't trust anything we hear. We don't put confidence or depend upon anyone we meet. It's me and me alone. I gotta watch my own back, I gotta take care of myself. It's all about me. But the dissatisfaction that we can have with the world and what it's like is actually the thing that can maybe help lead us to Christ. When we get dissatisfied with the way things are, it causes us to want to change. In fact, until we get thoroughly disgusted with the way things are, we won't change. As long as we're content with the way things are around us, we're not going to do anything to try to get out of that pattern, if you will. So as long as we think the next election is going to eliminate crime and bring justice to the United States, we're not going to make a journey toward the Lord. As long as we think the next scientific breakthrough is going to save our environment or cure cancer, we're not going to take steps towards the Lord. As long as we think another pay raise is going to push us past the edge of anxiety and help us live a life of peace, we're not going to pursue the Lord. By the way, if your current paycheck does not give you a life of peace, a bigger one won't either. That's a lie. And that's what we think. If, we, if I could just get more money, if I could just get a handle on some things, I'd have peace. No, if you don't have peace now because your provision is not your paycheck. Your provision is the Lord God Almighty and he is always with you. And so you can have peace even when bill collectors are calling. Because he gives peace, not that the world gives. It's a settledness. As long as we believe these lies, we're not gonna risk a life of faith. Until we get fed up with the way things are in this world, we will not have an appetite for the kingdom of God. And far too many people that attend church on a regular basis are not fed up with the way the world is. Psalm 120 is the song of a person that's fed up. Sick with the lies, crippled by the hate. The 15 Psalms of Ascent will kind of point out some characteristics or some things in our lives that will help us as we journey toward Christ. And this first Psalm is kind of like the prod that gets us out of our seat. 
I mean, it's not a happy song. There is nothing poetic or pleasing about this song. It's a very harsh song. It's a discordant song. The words are, uh, <clears throat> I'm in trouble, is how it opens. It ends with war. Doesn't sound like the place I want to go, but this psalm is about where I'm coming from. I recognize the condition of my world and I want out. Now we can't get out of this world, but we can live in another kingdom while we're on this world. Men are sent against each other, women are at each other's throats, the world is restless, always looking for a fight. Nobody seems to know how to live in a healthy relationship. And somewhere in the midst of all of this junk and all of this chaos, we realize that we were made for something more. We were made for something better. And so like the the psalmist, we cry out, I'm all for peace. But there's no realization of it. We can't get peace on our own. No matter how hard we try, no matter who we elect, no matter what we do, we will not find peace apart from him. We have been told the lie by our society forever that human beings are basically nice and good. There's just a few exceptions to that rule. Everyone is born equal, everyone is born innocent, everyone is born self-sufficient. The world is relatively pleasant and harmless. We are born free. And if you somehow have found yourself in chains, it's not your fault. It's a result of what someone else has done. It's their fault. But if you will just hang on, and if you just get a little bit more intelligence, if you just use a little bit more effort, if you just use a little bit more time, you'll be able to break free from those chains. There's not an amount of intelligence in this world. There's not an amount of uh, power in this world to set you free from the types of chains you are in. Those chains can only be broken from someone not of this world. I don't understand how we can live in a culture that continues to think that things are going to get better when for centuries we have seen the evidence that they're not. Things have never gotten better and better from generation to generation. They are always deteriorating. And as long as God is not the center of our lives, our lives will not get better. You can't just try to take and choose a little bit of scripture, a little bit of God. If you will not surrender your life fully to him, you will not experience what he has promised you will experience. In fact, you might have even a more miserable existence than those who reject him altogether. Our society accumulates resentment and it stores up anger and that anger erupts into violence and we see it all around us. And we are convinced by the lie that what we are experiencing is unnatural. This is not the way that things should be. This is the exception. And so we devise ways to escape the reality of life, vacations, with the hope that as we go away on vacation, things will just get better magically, and then we return home disillusioned to find that everything we left was still there waiting for us when we got back. The lie that everything is okay covers up the truth and it ultimately covers up the way out. Once we come to to Christ, we begin 
by uh, the statement or recognizing that everything we've been taught is a lie. Everything society has thrown at us is a lie. And everything that Christ has taught is truth. And when we come to that full realization, just like the psalmist, we cry out, oh God, deliver me from the liars. Deliver me from the lies uh, that smile so sweetly and they lie through their teeth. Listen to how Eugene Peterson says it. Rescue me from the lies of advertisers who claim to know what I need and what I desire. Rescue me from the lies of entertainers who promise a cheap way to joy. Rescue me from the lies of politicians who pretend to instruct me in power and morality. Rescue me from the lies of psychologists who offer to shape my behavior and my morals so that I'm gonna live long and happy and successful. Rescue me from the lies of religion that heals the wounds of these people lightly. Rescue me from the lies of moralists who promote me to the captain of my own fate. Rescue me from the lies of ministers who get rid of God's commands so we won't be inconvenienced by them. Rescue me from the one who tells me of life and omits Christ. The lies. The problem with the lies are they're absolutely factual. There's no errors in them. There's no distortions. There's no falsified data but they are indeed lies. They claim to tell us everything that we are, but they omit everything about our origin in God, and they omit our destiny in God. They tell us about the world we live in, and they don't tell us about the God who made it. They tell us about our bodies, but they don't tell us we're temples of the Holy Spirit. They tell us about love, and they don't tell us about the God who loves us and gave himself up for us. The single word God appears in this psalm only two times, but it's the clue to everything. For when we invite God into our lives, when we give him access, he fills the entire horizon. And we will choose to step out from this society, not to reject it completely because we're called to win it, but we set up a new course and a new path towards him. We take an ascent toward Jerusalem, or an ascent toward the kingdom of God. See, the truth about me is God made me and God loves me. The truth about you and those in the pew with you is that God made you and God made the person beside you and he loves you and he loves the person beside you. And consequently, that makes us neighbors. That's the truth. The truth about what is wrong with our world is that me and the neighbor sitting beside me has sinned. We have refused to let God be for us and over us and in us. That's exactly what Paul tells us in Romans chapter one. We did not recognize him as God. We did not thank him for what he has done and he turned us over to ourselves. And as a result, we live in the type of society that we've lived in today. The first step in the Christian way of life is to step away from the lies of the world. It's to step away from and renounce the lies that we've been told about ourselves and about our neighbors and about our universe. And the biblical word for that stepping away from the world and our stepping toward God is, you guessed it, repentance. Repentance. That word means to turn. 
It means I turn from the lies, the patterns, the customs of this world, and I turn toward God. The Bible does not call us to invite Jesus into our hearts. The Bible does not call us to believe alone that Jesus died as my Savior. It calls us to reject, to look at, and recognize that this world and all of its systems and all of its teachings is a lie. And everything God reveals in his word and through his son is the truth. And I am to turn from that and turn to him. That is repentance. Repentance is always and everywhere the first word in the Christian life. In Matthew chapter three, it was the first word of John the Baptist. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins And turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. That word repent, turn away from. Turn away from your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus follows in Matthew chapter 4 and begins to preach, repent, turn from your sins, and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Nowhere in those two passages did we hear, pray the sinner's prayer. Pray, ask Jesus to come into your heart and take away all your sins. No, Jesus says, recognize your sins are killing you. Turn from them, turn to me. I am the words of life. That's repentance. In Acts chapter two, Peter's first sermon on the day of Pentecost was, each of you must turn from your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. But the the thing is, in Revelation chapter three, we're told about a church. This is a church, a group of people. I don't know if that they had a building or if they just met in homes, but they were a group of believers. They They heard the word of God, they accepted the word of God, they were saved. They came together, they met together regularly, they were a body of believers. And Jesus himself speaks words to this church that says, you are lukewarm. You're not hot, you're not cold, and because of it, I am going to vomit you out of my mouth. You think you are rich. You think you have everything you need, but you are miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Wow, that's a great card to get in the mail from Jesus. I mean, tell me, you'd go out to the mailbox, and there's a letter in there, the return address is Jesus. I mean, you'd be like, yeah, especially if you get the whole picture of this church. They had, a, they had it all. In modern day technology, they would have an immaculate building. There would be no tears in the carpet. The seats would be comfortable. The sound system and lighting would be impeccable. They were wealthy. They had everything they need. They had the best worship leader. They had the best pastor. He preached the right length. He preached the right way. He didn't spit when he talked. He was the right age. He was everything that needed to be. And everybody got along. It was the perfect church. So what does Jesus have to say? We're excited to open this letter. And he says, you're miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Because there's a way that seems right to man, and it ends in death. He says, you you don't do what I have told you to do. You're not surrendered to me. It's, you're trying to find your peace in your wealth. You're trying to find your peace in your giftings. You're trying to find your peace in your relationships and your friendships. If you don't find your peace in me, you ain't gonna have peace. 
And so he doesn't tell them they're miserable, poor, blind, and naked so that they feel bad about themselves because look what he says in the last part of this letter. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. That word in many of your translations will be repent. Repent. So just because we we repented one time does not mean we are living a lifestyle of repentance. I fear there are a lot of people who sit in pews in American churches who one day they repented of their sins but are living lifestyles not repentant. We're not turning away from old thought patterns. We're not turning away from old behaviors and practices. We still slander. We still gossip. We still do all of the things we used to do, only now we just believe grace will somehow cover that. There's no desire to turn away from it. I'm not talking about people who are struggling or people who are seeking to get away from it. I'm talking about people that are living in it and think it's okay. In the church today, divorce is rampant. It's okay. In the church today, most young couples will try living together before they get married because it's okay. Says who? Says the lies of the world. We are watching right now as many denominations and churches are wrestling with the homosexual agenda. I mean, after all, we want to have compassion for these people. It's a lie. It's a lie. Do we need to hate them? No, we should not. Should we have compassion on them? Absolutely. And true biblical compassion will continue to call sin, sin, no matter what form it takes. Whether it's divorce, whether it's idolatry, whether it's pornography, whatever whatever type of sexual immorality it is, it's still sin. And it's not compassionate for me to look at you and say, oh man, Jesus loves you, and not tell you that your lifestyle apart from him will take you to an eternity from him. That's not compassion. It's a lie. Many people claim repentance, but they try to find their peace in their wealth, in their giftings, in their intelligence, in their abilities. Repentance is not an emotion. It's not to feel sorry for my sins. It's a decision. It's a choice. Repentance is and always has been a choice. Sometimes there's emotion involved and sometimes there's not. Repentance is deciding that I have been wrong in thinking I could manage my own life and be my own God. Repentance is deciding that I was wrong to think I could get enough strength or enough education or enough training to make it on my own. Repentance is recognizing I have been sold a pack of lies and God is now telling me the truth in Jesus Christ. That's repentance. Repentance is realizing that what God wants from me and what I want from God is not going to be achieved by doing the same old thing. It's not going to be achieved by thinking the same old thoughts. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says to us, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Okay, God is going to tell you how to think, but it's up to us to change how we're thinking. God is not going to magically, while we're in dreamland, change our thoughts. He is going to present us with truth. And when the lies come into my mind, I must do battle to take them captive and make them obedient to the truth. 
You are not going to come to a prayer line or a deliverance service that's gonna change and alter your mental state. You have been given the power of God through the Holy Spirit and through the word to change the course of your life. But you have to apply it. It's not just showing up for a church service. It's day after day choosing to repent of the lies and follow after him. If we change into a new person, we will know God's will for us. And his will is good and pleasing and perfect. And we'll go more into that next week. Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. They can't be okay anymore. We have got to get to the point where we are so disgusted with the lifestyle of sin that we are going to take whatever measures we need to take to turn from them. We are going to stop excusing them. I'm not gonna walk around in shame with my head held down, being condemned. No, I am set free in Jesus Christ, but I will refuse to once again be a slave to sin. Because if we think we can practice sin and not be a slave of it, it's a lie. The scripture clearly says, if you practice sin, you are a slave to sin. And you will come to a place where you no longer get to call the shots. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will cost you more than you want to spend. And it will keep you longer than you want to stay. I promise you. I have yet to meet someone in the pits of despair that has ruined a marriage through an adulterous relationship that thought they were going to get there. See, they thought they had a handle on it when it was just a few glances, when it was just a little lust, when I was just trying, just focusing on a few negative qualities about my spouse. When I was just doing a little, it was just a little flirting and it it was no big deal. They thought they were in control and one day sin came along and took more than they wanted to give. That's what happens every time. It promises one thing and it delivers death. I have yet to see someone on a deathbed that has lived life just for themselves, saturated in sin at peace. This is the lies. Pastor Tom, why are you so excited today? Because the pack of lies has been sold to us for so long. And we need to turn away from it. Either God's word is true or it's not true. Either I need to start conforming my thoughts and actions to his truth or by default, I stay in the lies. There is not a spiritual limbo that we get to live in. That lukewarm state that we refer to in our lives where you don't have to passionately go after God, you don't have to passionately deal with sin, you know, you can just kind of coast along, is the Laodicean church, it's the lukewarm church. Read the words of Jesus. I don't think he thought that was an option. The way ahead is gonna be difficult because anytime we reject the lies, Anytime we try to turn away from a pattern that we're used to, it's difficult. 
There's gonna be a tearing. There's gonna be something that's hard. I'm not gonna sit here today and say, man, when you accept Jesus, everything's gonna be at peace in your life. You're just gonna be, it's gonna be so great. No, it's gonna be the toughest fight of your life to turn from that old way and to walk in a new way, especially if most of your family and most of your friends are going that direction. It's gonna be the hardest thing you've ever did, but the promise is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. He's given you his word. He's given you the promise he's gonna be with you and he's gonna walk through it with you. It's gonna be a challenge, but when the way that we've been walking is a way of death and a way of war, the, better, the faster we leave it, the better. And no amount of pain it costs to leave it is not gonna be worth it. A lifestyle of repentance will lead us to life and to peace. Peter says in his second sermon, it's time to change your ways. Turn to face God so he can wipe away your sins, so he can pour out showers of blessing to refresh you and send you the Messiah he prepared for you, namely Jesus. For the time being, he must remain out of sight in heaven until everything is restored to the order. Again, just the way God, through the preaching of his holy prophets of old, said it would be. God, having raised up his son, sent him to bless you as you turn one by one from your, excuse me, evil ways. Repentance. Not just one time, but over and over, day after day, moment by moment, repenting, turning from the old thinking patterns, turning from the old lifestyle. I'm not gonna go there anymore. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take that thought. You know what so-and-so's probably thinking about you right now? No, that's not what so-and-so's thinking about me right now. Here's what I'm gonna think. We've gotta get out of these patterns, these mindsets that put us into bondage. We've gotta break them with the truth of God's word. It's gonna require long obedience in the same direction. Repentance and turning to Christ isn't something to try. It's something to cling to and never let go of. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, I thank you again today for your faithfulness. Thank you that while we were your enemies, you sent your son to this earth to take our punishment, to take our guilt, and to take our shame. And he took it to the cross. And he paid the ultimate death penalty for every one of us. Thank you that today you are not counting our sins against us, but you are offering eternal life to each and every one of us through your Son. Holy Spirit, would you help each of us today to choose that life, to repent, to recognize the lies that we've been fed by this culture, by our world, by the enemy, to recognize every lie and to turn away, to turn away from the old way of thinking, 
to turn away from the old way of behaving and to turn completely to you. To begin this ascent, this journey towards you. Father, today this journey begins with that one word, repentance. Help us to choose that today. As we get ready to close today, my question for each of us is, do we need to repent? The truth is, all of us have chosen our own way. All of us, as a result of that, have broken God's law. We've sinned. But the truth is, Christ paid the payment for our sin. So as a result, I no longer have to pay for it. He did. What I need to do now is admit I've rejected God. I've not allowed him to have his proper place in my life and over my life. I've walked my own way. I've broken his law. I have to believe that Christ willingly paid the penalty for that, for me. Then I have to choose to set him in rightful place over my life. To turn from my old way and to turn towards him. I have to choose to let him be over me and for me and in me. And so the question is, have we repented? Not just have I one time at one moment repented of my sin, but am I walking a lifestyle of repentance? That my thoughts and that my actions are proving that I am indeed turning. There are some of you here today that you're struggling. You're in the fight, you're battling. This isn't a condemnation message saying, man, you've got one weak area. If you know you've repented of it, you're turning from it, you're walking with someone, you've confessed it, you're moving. Don't let this be a message of condemnation. But for those that might be here who have never repented of their, their sin and turned toward the Lord, or those that maybe repented at one time, but you know you're not living a lifestyle of repentance. You're trying to find your peace and your security in your money, in your job, in your achievements, in politicians, in possessions. You say, I'm not experiencing peace. Perhaps the reason that you don't know peace is because you don't yet know the peace maker. I wish I could promise you that in an instant, all of your problems will fade away. They won't. But as we continue on this ascent, this journey toward the Lord, I believe as we put into practice each of these steps, we're gonna find ourselves on the path that he wants us to be on. The pathway literally to Jerusalem, to his presence more fully in our lives than ever before. God's plan was never to live in a temple in Jerusalem. His plan was always to dwell in temples of human flesh. And that's what he wants. So if you're here today and you say, I need to repent, I need to renounce the lies, I need to stop trying to be my own God, I need to put confidence in what Christ did for me, I need to embrace that what he says is right and true, and I'm taking the first step today and I'm repenting. If that's you, would you slip up your hand and say, that's me. I want to repent today. Christians all across the room praying. If you're here, anyone else, 
Anyone else? Thank you for your honesty. Let's stand together. As we close this service in prayer, I'm gonna ask those of you that raised your hand to take a very bold step. And I wanna meet with you here in the, the front of the auditorium for just a few moments. I won't keep you very long, but I wanna pray with you. I wanna encourage you and uh, I wanna give you some information. And so if you slipped up your hand and said, I need to repent. If you did not slip up your hand and you need to repent, please feel free to come as I pray. Uh, come and join those. And so Father, I thank you for those that have taken this step of faith. God, to admit they need to repent. They need to turn from a, a way of life that leads to death and turn to you. Father, I pray give them the courage to take this next step as they come to the front of this auditorium. Give them the courage to continue to respond to the leading of your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for every one of us in this room that you would help us to stay on this path of repentance. Father, not to be blinded or deceived or lulled to sleep by the enemy, to think that when we've repented one time that we just automatically stay on that path. May we be diligent to continue to turn from old patterns, old ways of thinking, allowing you to change the way we think, transforming us into a new person, changing our behaviors, God, bringing joy into our lives. When people ask us how we are, God, that, that, that joy and peace floods out of our lives. God, even if everything around us is in turmoil, that what we share with them is life and hope and peace. Father, transform our lives from this day forward. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a few moments, lunch is going to be served at the block party. If you did not plan to, to be a part of that, we do encourage you to stay. Uh, we've got lunch prepared. There's some uh, activities and some games, and we're going to have a great time of just fellowship um, through the fellowship hall and out on the, the north side of the building. So please plan to stick around for that. Again, if you lifted your hand, would you please take a moment while everyone else is being dismissed and just join me here in the front for just a few moments.